<laughs> so there you go. Now I've got some sweetness to it. Nice marshmallows. Mm -hmm. I have no marshmallows in mine. Oh, no. It's sweet. It's already sweet. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. Plenty sweet. Okay, that sounds good, Amy. So here we are. Hello. Oh, it's so nice to see you. And it's so sparkly. And ah, welcome to our holiday themed live event. So live exciting. Event with it my feels... new special Christmas mug. Wait, can I see it a little closer to the camera? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's very yes. cute. It's oh, actually like not even that cheesy. It's it's no, not at all. Well, look at what I did. I'm using the same cup that I almost always use because I feel like it has like a holiday-ish theme anyway. It's got yeah. these birds with you know, it's got like a pine cone on its head. Oh my god, they're little chickadees. Yeah. They're so Aww. cute. So I figured, well. And I don't have a special holiday themed mug, but this one really felt like it worked. Moxie mm -hmm. is coming to say hello, of course. Yes, Hi. hello, Moxie. Hi, Moxie, but you can't get in my lap right now. Ooh, I don't know how well that's going to go over. <laughs> so, can I see your cookies? Yes. So this is this is the cookie. Ooh, oh, that looks long. Nice. It's really light too. So, mm. and you said it's. Uh, German gingerbread. gingerbread yes oh I love gingerbread we love gingerbread in this house mm -hmm. James loves gingerbread if we make gingerbread cookie dough I have to we you know we chill it you know but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He, he goes in there and sneaks oh yeah I'm pretty sure there was one time when he basically just ate the entire batch that was left <laughs> in the refrigerator because we didn't make the cookies fast enough mm they got eaten mm -hmm. and very much enjoyed. <laughs> oh, hi, Leslie. It's so good hi, to Leslie. see you. Hi, Leslie. Welcome to our holiday party. I hope you're enjoying some holiday cheer, maybe a cup of tea or some cookies or hot cocoa. We have cookies and hot cocoa here in our at yes. home. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. Gingerbread anything. Ah, love gingerbread. So you love it too, Leslie. Oh, that's good to know. Got a that's gingerbread, awesome. the gingerbread sisterhood. <laughs> so we're yeah. just waiting for folks to join. Mm -hmm. Carrie, I'm just noticing that this beautiful sparkle behind, it matches, the, the color behind you matches your color palette theme. Like I'm seeing the, the, the green kind of almost like aquamarine color matches your shirt mm -hmm. and your painting and the back wall. And oh, I love it. So Thank nice. you. I had a lot of fun decorating. And of course, we meant to be decorating the minister's study at Community mm -hmm. Church of New York, but we had to move online. Yep. Last minute. Because of a potential COVID, well, a COVID exposure, but we don't know if 
it was me. I was exposed to COVID, someone who tested positive after I was around them. They were wearing a mask, but you know, it's hard to, it's hard to know. And it was, we were around each other a good portion of a couple of days in a row. So I'm got, I'm, you know, we're just being very, taking all the precautions and being very cautious, which is an important thing to do right now, especially with all of the numbers, um, the, the positive um, rates going up all around the country and just recently really, really shooting up in New York City. So right, right. we need to be careful. So here we are instead of in the minister's study. <laughs> oh. Oh, well. We're going to be making cookies there and uh, sitting around the table, but this is this will be good too. Yeah, I think so. Well, um, let's. How about we get our program started? That would be great. Awesome. Welcome everyone to our revving up live event celebrating the holiday season and uh, wrapping up our season two of revving up and the minister's study is we meant to be in the minister's study at community church of new york where reverend peggy clark um sits and prepares for worship and has meetings and so forth it's a really lovely space and um due to a covid scare or potential exposure, we decided to pivot online. And luckily, our producer, Amy Wilson, was able to pivot at the last minute. She is such a wonder. And we're so lucky to have her helping us um, produce and get this lovely um, podcast, keep it going and keep it fresh and keep it um, moving along like, um, like we like it to do. So um, we thought that we would start with a, re a uh, chalice lighting. Yes. And Carrie, will you light the chalice while I do yeah. the chalice um, reading yes. to get us started? Okay, yes. great. Thank I you. Have the fire. You ready? Yes. Okay. So far... We, oh, I'm so sorry. I want to make sure that I start in the right place. Okay. So this is, um, let me just say a little bit about this reading. This is for the, this, this reading, this reading was written for the third um, Sunday for Advent. In this holiday season, may we find peace inside ourselves. May we be peace for those around us. And may we renew our commitment to bring peace with justice to our community and to the world. May we be peace. Thanks, Megan. That was great. So we thought that since it's the holiday season, we would bring in, um, topics, questions from the season. Um, and so we're going to start with a poem by Stephanie Noble called In Celebration of the Winter Solstice. Do not be afraid of the darkness. Dark is the rich, fertile earth that cradles the seed, nourishing growth. 
Dark is a soft night that cradles us to rest. Only in darkness can stars shine across the vastness of space. Only in darkness is the moon's dance so clear. There is mystery woven in the dark quiet hours. There is magic in the darkness. Do not be afraid. We are born of this magic. It fills our dreams that root, unravel, and reweave themselves in the shelter of the deep, dark night. The dark has its own hue, its own resonance, its own breath. It fills our soul not with despair, but with promise. Dark is the gestation of our deep and knowing self. Dark is the cave where we rest and renew our soul. We are born of the darkness, and each night we return to the deep, moist womb of our beginnings. Do not be afraid of the darkness, for in the depth of that very darkness comes a first glimpse, glimpse of our own light, the pure inner light of love and knowing. As it glows and grows, the darkness recedes. As we shed our light, we shed our fear and revel in the wonder of all that is revealed. So do not rush the coming of the sun. Do not crave the lengthening of the day. Celebrate the darkness here and now, a time of richness, a time of joy. Mm, that's beautiful. So, of course, Monday at around noonish is the winter solstice, mm -hmm. the point at which um, the sun hits the southern, yeah, the southern, uh, whatever, the tropic, southern tropics, and then moves back up. So, the Earth's tilt will have been as the Northern Hemisphere will have been at the furthest, tilted the furthest away from mm -hmm. the sun and will begin tilting back. Mm -hmm. So the days will begin to lengthen. I love that. There's so many things I love about that reading. And thank you, Carrie, for that. Did you say it's in worship web? Mm -hmm. Or did you? Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I would love to read that more. I, I think that this idea of um rather than thinking of the the darkness or the night and the long nights as like a bad thing or a negative thing looking at it as a positive thing and a generative time i think that winter is that time when every you know i, I was just listening to a podcast about wintering and the idea of wintering and i just I, I realized I had this revelation it was like, oh, maybe this is one of the things that I, one of the reasons that I love winter so much because I grew up in the North and in the nor in, um, Northwestern Pennsylvania where it snows a lot. And we were just in, you know, the, well, the short days and the long nights we were inside and it was quiet. It was generative. It was the time when you could go outside and see all the stars because the nights were so clear. Mm -hmm. And um, 
yeah, it was just a really beautiful, restful time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, did you see, um, did, um, Leslie's yeah. talking to us. Thank you for yeah. interacting with us, Leslie. Carrie, would you, would you like to talk for a minute? Yeah, yeah, Leslie um, brought up the, one of the purposes when I, because I, why I chose this reading is because um, so much of metaphor sees dark as bad and evil. Mm -hmm. And um, that I think sometimes comes out as um, ra racialized over undertones. So um, reclaiming the darkness and seeing it in a positive light in a positive way rather than um, demonizing it or being afraid of it, I think is um, one of the steps to kind of deconstructing um, some of the racialized aspects of our of our culture. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And I, um, as a white person, I, I remember when I first started to um, recognize the ways in which I was swimming in white privilege were around things like statements, um, like, uh, and words that were used that were so racialized and were, um, and are uh, contributing to this white supremacy culture, things like blacklist and just constantly saying that like, if it's bad, then we'll call it dark or we'll call it black, mm -hmm. the blackness, the darkness, the, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that that's bad somehow. And that things that are white are light and bright and are good and bring hope and, right. you know, right. and just, I, once you start to realize that and start to think about it and hear it, um, for me anyway, I just couldn't couldn't stop. It was mm -hmm. just like, oh, it's everywhere. Right. And being able to lift the veil off of that um, mm -hmm. and have that kind of um, revelation is uh, just was for me a really important step on the road of recognizing my my privilege as a white mm -hmm. person. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Errol uh, is asking us about um, memorable solstice services or ceremonies mm -hmm. we've, we've done. Um, I've, I've participated in a few. That was probably one of the ways in which I started um, creating ritual and creating services because I was a lay leader at the time. And um and so helped others create these alternate worship spaces with with lots of fire and greens and and certainly mm -hmm. I, um, I'm rooted in pagan traditions of of the the earth the earth centered kind of rituals and so forth. So winter solstice is always a magical time for me. Mm -hmm. Me too. We um. When I, one of the most memorable, thank you for that question, Errol. Um, and if you have one, Errol, please feel free to share so we can, yeah. we can hear about yours and Leslie's also. I, um, my most memorable right now, the thing that popped into my head right away was when I was um, serving as the religious education director at the Ma Mount Vernon Unitarian Church in Alexandria, Virginia. This is a suburban congregation outside of Washington, DC on, um, some land in a suburb up with and on a hill. And on that hill, because the, the church owns it, 
there is a big, massive field on the top of this hill, this hill. And it's where we do like the Easter egg hunt and campouts and things like that. So we, every year um, for the winter solstice, had a, a solstice fire and a ceremony. And we, we would do different kinds of ceremonies. There was a reenactment of the Oak King versus the Holly King, which um, the kids would love to reenact. And it's kind of like, you know how in some places, in some church communities, it's like who gets to be Mary and who gets to be Joseph, like for the holiday pageant. This was like who gets to be the Oak King and who gets to be the Holly King. And they would have these, they had these like fake wooden swords and they would battle it out and um, just have so much fun. And we did a lot of different really beautiful rituals. And one of them would involve going inside into the sanctuary where it was dark and there was a, um, a spiral of candles on the floor and you could walk into the spiral and walk back out it wasn't a true labyrinth because those are really hard to recreate um it was just set up as a spiral and then we would sit around the outside of it and sing songs about the sun or the sun returning you know just mm -hmm. like um any even just like popular songs or anything it was just really really sweet time really fun being outside a lot was was very special about that too just being outside in the field with a big fire underneath the stars uh, we just made it a really special time mm -hmm. yeah mine were mostly inside because um being up in connecticut one never knows what the weather's going to be like in december but it was um, always after dark and had um, central an altar and the central light source. And, and just um, one of the th things I, I loved about it was chanting to bring back the light. Um, just trying to get that energy of, yes, we're gonna bring back the light. And mm -hmm. um, so that's always uh, with noisemakers and, mm -hmm. and voices and, um, yeah, so that's always really fun, just that moment of darkness and then bringing back the light. And something that I wanted to say that I think circles this back to what Leslie brought up and what we were talking about with um, with race and the racialized um, under or even overtones around dark and light and nighttime and daytime. I wanted to say that one of the things that I realized about with winter solstice is that um, I really love the almost like Buddhist uh, nature of thinking around, um, you know, we might be celebrating the return of the light, but we wouldn't have that to celebrate. We wouldn't even know that light was returning if we hadn't had the darkness. Right. So it's kind of like the yin and the yang of like, without the darkness, we don't have the light. Without the light, we don't have mm -hmm. the dark and looking at what is i'm i'm really going to be sitting this winter really sitting with this idea of what is um what do i love about winter and longer nights and shorter days because i really do love it i really mm -hmm. really do and i know a lot of people don't because it can be kind of sad right mm -hmm. like we mm -hmm. might get that um you know a little blue christmas happening um, blue, the, there's, you know, an actual like diagnosed thing that happens for people when they don't get enough sunlight. So the, win so the winter time in the Northern hemisphere can be, can be rough. So, um, so yeah, Carrie, do you have any advice for people who are sad or struggling in the holidays? Yeah, I think it happens. Um, it, I think it's hard to be feeling 
sad during the holidays just because there's so much in our media culture about it's a joyful season and it's about family and it's about um buying gifts and um and there's this we have this kind of idea about how christmas can be and how many of us really have had that experience with christmas or holidays or so forth and particularly if you've lost someone in your family or you've suffered trauma from your family it can be a really triggering time so um i think as we reclaim the language around darkness um seeing it as um, for instance, grief wouldn't exist without love. And just because we grieve doesn't mean that that love will not happen again in our lives. And it is still there. So it's, it's embracing the fact that the goal is not to be happy all the time. It's to be loving and joyful and authentic and understanding that with that comes loss and um, mis- and things that go wrong and things that you don't expect. Like it's just um, understanding that being sad is okay and um, really making space for that, um, slowing down and taking care of yourself. Um, Christmas season is a lot about community. So reaching out to loved ones and just being, being, um, giving yourself the space to feel like you need to feel. Mm -hmm. What do you, um, what's some of your advice? Feeling the feels is always a good one for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I have found that, um, yeah, being, being authentic with where I am in any, at any given time, what I'm feeling, what I'm noticing, rather than trying to cover it up or pretend like everything's okay, or like, oh, well, if I just do these things, you know, I mean, it'll be okay. Um, I think that really acknowledging it and being true to oneself, and then treating oneself with care and love, doing the things that really feel good for oneself. So, um, you know, if you love to take a bath, take a bath. Um, if you love to have some special scented candles, like get those for yourself and, you know, take, take care of yourself, treat yourself like the loved one that you are for yourself. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've also, um, that's helped me in the winter, um, is just getting outside, uh, regardless of, I mean, certainly if it was really storming out, I would not do that, but Sometimes I just get a little afraid of how it is outside. Like, oh, it's too cold or it's too windy or it's dark. Mm-hmm. And um, just, you know, putting on clothes and getting out there. It's like, oh, it's it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. So just embracing that that it is a colder season and it, and it still, um, it still can be great to be outside, whether it's sunny or cloudy or cold or warm or whatever. I was just noticing one of the comments that was made that I want to make sure we um, lift up. And it's um, Amy saying, acknowledging the darkness and loneliness helps. Mm -hmm. I appreciate Christmas songs that express some sense of loss or sadness, like Mary, did you know? Mm -hmm. A reminder that birth and death are always linked. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I love that. I think that music is so evocative and it just... Mm-hmm. I mean, when I'm sad, 
it's it's kind of maybe counterintuitive, but I like to listen to music that makes me cry or watch a movie that makes me cry. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. don't want to watch something that's going to make me laugh because sometimes I just need to get out the sadness, the tears, mm -hmm. the crying, the mm -hmm. emotion and yeah. let it get out. And um, it that feels so good. What a, what a, it's such a great release. I like mm -hmm. to get into my body and do something that wake that is acknowledging my body. Like, um, you know, for me, it happens to be doing some sort of yoga practice, but also taking a walk can mm -hmm. be and going outside, like you said, Carrie, mm -hmm. and feeling the weather and being a little bit in touch with what's outside, if in nature, if you can, if not, mm -hmm. I like to wander. I mean, I like to go around in the city at night, too, because there's, mm -hmm. the, you know, lights and things and it's just a, it's a different kind of feeling mm -hmm. um, for sure mm -hmm. <laughs> and yes death like life comes out of the darkness too right mm -hmm. like the darkness mm -hmm. of the womb as was mentioned mm -hmm. in the reading and also as um the amazing um uh the amazing woman with the last name car who is sick and did the speech about um, maybe this isn't the darkness of the tomb, but it's the darkness of the womb. Mm -hmm. um, I loved that. It was around, maybe it was around Easter time, at maybe pretty soon after um, President Trump had been elected. And it was just this beautiful, beautiful speech that she gave that really, I think, inspired a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Good way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And particularly this season, winter is, at least for us in the Northern hemisphere where we have um, significant seasons, it's mm -hmm. the vegetation has for, um, for what we can see died and um, waits to be regenerated and reborn. It's, it's under there, it's under yeah. the ground doing its things that it needs to do. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James and I used to take walks in Prospect Park in the winter time and we would walk around um, the lake there and just have so many conversations about what are the turtles doing right now? What are the, what is everybody doing? Cause you know, there's all this wild fowl and waterfowl and life that's around certain mm -hmm. times of year. And then in the winter it would get really quiet. And especially the turtles we thought about a lot because we would see, we would count the, we'd look at the turtles. They come out when it's, you know, warm, they get on the rocks in the sun. And it just felt like, you know, just really, where do they go? What do they do? And, you know, mm -hmm. of course they're, they can like breathe under the mud or something like that. And they're, they're hibernating and staying warm, but it's just fascinating and amazing. These things that happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, let's see. We have a we have a couple of readings, and we were thinking about moving um, into talking some about um, even you know like Christmas in, in the winter holiday season. And um, we have a reading that we wanted to share with everyone, which is, and I think I'm going to start off. Yeah, Carrie, and then you'll pick up. Okay. All righty. Here we go. A Visit from St. Nicholas by Clement Clark Moore. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds with visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And mama in her kerchief, and I in my cap, 
had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn, there arose such a clatter. I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window, I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes did appear, but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With the little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment, he must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet an obstacle, mount to the sky, so up to the housetop the coursers they flew, with a sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around down the chimney, St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot and a bundle of toys he had flung on his back and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn, drawn up like a bow and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth and the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. <laughs> How fun. Classic. Oh. Such I love favorite. it. Yeah. yeah. Did you grow up hearing that? Um, yeah, like I, I watched all of the, the TV Christmas specials, the, mm -hmm. the uh, Rudolph and. Oh, um, the animated classic. Yeah. Animated. Yes, oh, yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. Peanuts, Charlie Brown's Christmas and the sad little Christmas tree. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, all of that stuff was was part of my growing up and um yeah yeah how about you well you know um it's interesting because I um I grew up Unitarian Universalist so it's kind of funny because as a UU um who was raised by um 
an atheist and just kind of like a spiritual person, it was just kind of funny that we had, um, that we had such a relationship to Christmas and Christmas Eve. And I just find that really interesting. And I wonder as a Unitarian Universalist, like how this, what, what, what this is like in people's lives. And I think that there's some really um, interesting history around um, Christmas and the creation of Christmas in its, in its current form that actually Unitarians played, um, played a role in. And I wonder if anybody has any, ideas or thoughts about that or any knowledge about it. I'm, I'm thinking about the early New England days of Christmas when um, when Christmas was a little bit more like SantaCon. Those of you who live here in uh, New York City might know about SantaCon, but it was, it was uh, rowdy. Um, people were like drinking and partying in the streets and there was this concerted effort to domesticate Christmas and turn it into a family holiday um, here in the um, in the colony <laughs> at the time. Um, and Unitarians played uh, quite a role in that. Um, in fact, I think like writing some very iconic songs about the, um, this time of year, the holidays and Christmas, and also um, the imagery, like the, the like Clement Moore, I'm like, was a Unitarian and like that image of like what Santa looks like comes from him. So kind of amazing and cool and interesting. And, and we still have this relationship with Christmas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, Unitarian Universalism comes from a Christian tradition. Um, and uh, I was surprised being, um, you know, I became a Unitarian Universalist about 11 years ago. And I was surprised that Christmas was such a big thing to oh, yeah. universalists. And um, I grew up Catholic. So of course it was a big thing for me and, and my family. Um, and particularly the tradition of the midnight mass, which is, which is a, um, kind of a magical space where you just go in the middle of the night to, um, to church and the place is packed. And um, it's just this time out of time. And there was a big organ there and, the music was huge and everyone was crowded in like standing room only and you come back and uh you know santa's coming in the morning so you got to get to bed and yeah it was just this magical time and when i came to unitarian universalism they had a very similar mm -hmm. um a similar experience i'm like wow that's really bizarre because i always thought of i, I wasn't aware of the christian roots at that time but even mm -hmm without the Christian roots, it's, um, there's something really important, uh, significant about Christmas and Unitarian Universalism. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, I was just a teeny, if you noticed that I got a little bit distracted, my laptop was gonna die and my spouse very <laughs> kindly went and got my <laughs> charger for me and got me plugged in, so I'm good. Um, I hear you, Carrie, and I grew up um, in a very non-traditional household, and yet on Christmas Eve, I have some very distinctive memories of Christmas Eve. We went to the Unitarian Church in Meadville, Pennsylvania. We lived out in the country, outside of there, but we would we would go into town for church, and we would, um, <laughs> yes, shout out for sure to, to James, and um, on Christmas Eve, there was a there was a Christmas Eve candlelight evening service. Mm 
So that alone made it special, right? It was like, we're not going in the morning. We're not going when it's light out. We're going when it's dark. And it was special. And there were candles and there was this warm glow light and this, you know, um, in this town in Northwestern Pennsylvania that has a, you know, there's like a town square in many towns and there's the, the important like churches around the town square. Well, this is actually in the shape of a diamond. So we call it the diamond instead of the square. And on one of the points of the diamond is the Unitarian church. And it's this very old, old church. And actually the seminary that we attend, um, half of it was used to be located in Meadville, Pennsylvania. That's why our Kurt, our seminary is Meadville Lombard, because the two came together in Chicago. Well, when I was a kid, we would go and it was this like New England looking church where you walk in the front doors and it's big open space and there's candles everywhere and it's dark. And then afterward, you know, at the very end of the service, you sing Silent Night with the little candles and you stream out the door onto the diamond, which is always covered in snow at nighttime in you know, the end of December in Pennsylvania. So it was just this very, like I grew up with that very special feeling of this is a special time. It's something that's different. And there are rituals that go with celebrating this special time. And so those rituals then, um, I passed some of them on to my own child or and or I started some new ones too. So we have very um, specific, I think that so much of holidays are really about ritual and memory and if one has you know I, I obviously like I had some bad Christmases or whatever but I, I've uh, I never had anything really bad so I just ignore the the bad Christmases and really focus on all of the good part of it but for some people that's not going to be possible it could be something really terrible like you mentioned if some if um, a loved one dies at Christmas time it makes it very hard um, my stepfather died right around Thanksgiving. So I always think of him at Thanksgiving and it's sad. It's also, it is also kind of beautiful because it's such a holiday about family. And so thinking about him and remembering him then is, um, really special, but yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we are Unitarian history and our, how that matches up or doesn't match up to our current, um, theology, but maybe does often match up with our practices, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. our rituals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Leslie says that Christmas carols were her best memories at the um, Presbyterian church. Yes. I love singing Christmas carols. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun memories about singing in the choir as a kid and as an adult. Um, music's been a huge, I think music, can be a really important part of ritual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I do think it's important, you know, you use celebrate Christmas. We also celebrate many other holidays in the, you know, and especially in the winter time. The, there's mm -hmm. all of the winter, the festivals of lights, the different um, winter celebrations, which makes sense this um, dark time of year that there are a lot of these celebrations that focus on light. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, so we do solstice. Um, many of our congregations also celebrate Hanukkah. Kwanzaa is one that I know Community Church celebrates and has a history of celebrating. Do you know much about that, Carrie? Or does anybody in the chat, any of our friends here know about that history? I know a little bit about it. It's, it um, 
is grounded in African culture, and there are eight principles um, that uh, that correspond with eight candles. It's um, similar to a menorah, but but different. It's called um, a kenara. A kenara, yes. Kenara, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, and I could, I read somewhere recently, and I think it's in Worship Web, where it has like the different things for each of the days of December. There's a different kind of like Unitarian history nugget. Um, and one of them is around, there was a, um, a grant, Kwanzaa was a reclaim, uh, maybe kind of like a reclaiming of holiday time by the um, African-American movement in maybe the 60s or 70s. Actually, I don't know if Kwanzaa, I don't know when Kwanzaa actually started. Yeah, I think it was the late 60s. Okay. But it, and it was also like the person who solidified it or the group of people did get also a grant from the UUA or at the time, maybe it was the Unitarian Association at that point. So there was some kind of involvement of Unitarians in Kwanzaa. The yeah, it was the Black, um, the Black African back. They supported, oh, yeah. yeah, they supported the, the man who was um, working on creating Kwanzaa. So it wasn't a direct grant, but it was supported I by see. Unitarian Universalists. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Hey, I see Deborah Springston is here. Yeah. Yeah. You see Deborah? That's my mom. Hi, mom. Hey. <laughs> Yay, you're here. Oh. <laughs> I'm looking up Kwanzaa because I want to know more about it and I wanted to share more about it. I It's always frustrating when it's like, ah, I know this little bit about this thing, but I'm not really sure. And I'm kind of stumbling through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because I do think it's really fascinating. And some, um, I know that there is a, a, a little girl who goes to the congregation, the Unitarian congregation in Brooklyn, who at her school, in her elementary school when she was growing up every year they learned all about kwanzaa and she had there was a song that they sang to share the different eight principles of kwanzaa and light the candles and she knew the whole thing by heart and we would do a little thing around um christmas time where we would learn about the different festivals of lights um, that are celebrated around the world and throughout history at this time of year and she would sing that song and it was just really really sweet mm -hmm. yeah it's um always kind of a um interesting season balancing all of these different holidays and and trying to figure out okay what's cultural misappropriation and what's what mm -hmm. is relevant for us to do and okay mm -hmm. for us to do and so um that's a really good point carrie yeah. yeah and that made sense to me because she is a black child who's adopted from ethiopia growing up in the in the u.s with white parents mm -hmm. she was she goes to a majority black school and she learned that song as part of learning about African-American heritage. Mm -hmm. And so when she shared it in our celebrations at you know, the winter holiday time, to me that felt like appropriate. Like she spontaneously shared it. I didn't like ask her to do it. I didn't even know she knew it. I didn't even know that song existed, but she, she did. And I thought that was a really beautiful way for her to get to share something special that she learned 
Yay, Athena. Hi. Athena. Yes. <laughs> so it was, so Kwanzaa was um, uh, created in 1966 during the aftermath of the Watts riots as a specifically African-American holiday. And it was created by um, Milana Karenga. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his name, but he said his goal was to quote, give blacks an alternative to the existing holiday of Christmas and give blacks an opportunity to celebrate themselves and their history rather than simply imitate the practice of the dominant society. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's a powerful, the, the principles are all really, um, good things. Like when I think about how, how the world could be done, Structured mm -hmm. differently, yeah. Um, certainly, um, a lot of ethics to mm -hmm. reconsider in that. Yeah, yeah. I definitely re recommend looking it up. Like the first principle is umoja, which is unity, mm -hmm. um, to strive for and to maintain unity in the family, community, nation, and race. Mm -hmm. um, there's kujashagulia self-determination to define and name ourselves as well as to create and speak for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Hmm. Well, well, my friends, this has been really fun having a holiday live special and, um, really wonderful to have people joining us. Thank you for coming. Thank um, you for joining us. Yeah. And thanks so much for um, interacting with us throughout our season, season two of Revving Up, the Intern Ministers of Community Church of New York podcast. Um, two full seasons we've done now. This is our season finale. And we had a full season last year and now this one this year. And I guess we're going to do another season in the spring. Yeah. 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 Keep your, keep your eyes peeled and your ears open. And, you know, join our Facebook listening community group. Uh, let us know if there are topics you would like to hear from us about. We're always, you know, we're seminarians. We can talk all day. But we love to hear what you would like to hear us talk about. So mm -hmm. please do um, feel free to ask us questions. You can send us um, emails. Um, you can um, post on our Facebook group. You can reach out to us individually, any of that. We're here for it. So let's have our closing reading before everyone logs off. This is For So the Children Come by Sophia Lyon Foz. For so the children come, and so they have been coming. Always in the same way they come. No angels herald their beginnings. No prophets predict their future courses. No wise men see a star to show where to find the babe that will save humankind. Yet, each night a child is born is a holy night. Parents sitting beside their children's cribs feel glory in the sight of a new life beginning. They ask, where and how will this new life end? Or will it ever end? Each night a child is born is a holy night. 
A time for singing, a time for wondering, a time for worshiping. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting us. And we'll see you in a little while for season three. Yeah. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you all. Bye, everyone. See you Bye. soon.